Hey, you. Yes, you. Listen, before the podcast takes place, I want you to know from whatever how you're listening to this, whether it be on iTunes, Google Play, or some radioactive frequency wave you just have in your stoner brain of yours because you just smoked too much of that good kush or whatever the fuck you like to trip on and just can't realize you clicked on the podcast category for some dope-ass audio. Or wherever you may on right now, whether it be driving down the interstate or some fucked up traffic that you don't want to be in, Walking around the block with your purse-sized dog in one hand and gimmick Starbucks cup in the other. Walking out your place because you can't stand your annoying bitch-ass girlfriend slash boyfriend right now because you're not doing something she slash she told you for the hundredth time today. But you keep going back and you know the flame is still there. Oh, hey, you may be to be taking a shit or sipping your country at war right now because you goddamn right we support our troops. So whether this is your first time listening or a long-time staff fanatic, we here on Topics on the Pod you are here to say welcome. So sit back, relax, roll another one, or whatever the fuck you like to take the edge off, and enjoy the show, you fucking bitches. <laughs> How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? It is DJ Stash, aka Jesse, aka the host of the motherfucking podcast, and this is episode 27 on Topics of the Pod, where we, each and every week we read you a certain topic on the podcast. It is going to be a special podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Oh man, we have a lot to talk about. It is a special podcast for me because I was recording this at 6.13 a.m., <laughs> guys. I am officially 25, well... I wouldn't say for 25, but I mean, it is my birthday, guys. I am born t- February 25th, 1994. I am 25 years old today. Uh, I would wish, every- I think everybody, if everyone gives me their birthday wishes, <clears throat> not really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm looking forward to the wish. I mean, I'm not one of those like needy people. I'm like, oh, it's my birthday. Give me, give me. You know what I mean? That's just really, I was like, well, technically, I'm the same time as my birthday because like, technically I was a night baby. I was born like seven, eight o'clock, I believe, so. Yeah, I just pretty much slept most. I mean, uh, I was off. I was on my gimmick job off Saturday and Sunday. Pretty much slept most of the Sunday. I just got up like two thirty a.m. <laughs> pretty much just lazing around, been drinking with some uh, IHOP. Got some uh, breakfast food there. Got the uh, cheeseburger omelet. Got some chicken and waffles. Didn't eat all of it, man. I just wanted like I picked myself out, and then because uh, as I'm going to do my diet, <clears throat> I did the uh, T Rex Burger Challenge from Wendy's. Uh, haven't uploaded it yet. I'm probably going to upload it as soon as I do the uh, podcast here. It's one of the challenges I want to do for a while now. As uh, you know, people, if y'all follow me on my YouTube channel, uh, DJ Stash, I do a lot of food reviews, do a lot of food challenges. Well, I haven't done a lot of food challenges in a while. I've been mainly doing food reviews, but I figured I'd give it to the fans that I wanted that do, that follow me, that first follow me just for the food challenges. I give them a food challenge to y'all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is much... I said I gotta work today Monday, so I've just been drinking a little bit. I mean, of course I'm gonna recover. I'm not I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> so I'm gonna recover for sure. But I mean, I'm not gonna celebrate anything today. I mean, it's on Monday, but I already I already did my celebrations for my birthday. I had like a two part series, if you want to call it that, like the seventeenth, uh, whatever it was when the WWE Lives in Asia Chamber came about when I talked about y'all last week. So oh, we're gonna get into that. Uh, I mean, yeah, we get we'll get into the breakdown pay per view, but uh. I mean, it's pretty. I guess it's gonna be a lengthy uh, podcast. We'll see how it goes because I'll have to talk talk about what happened 
the limited chamber and then my other part to my birthday and then we'll break down the uh limited chamber card and then we'll get into the main topic which was the uh 100 greatest movie robots of all time we'll get into the third part of that so but yeah uh finally got my uh, stay away from the microphone i get my beer here <sighs> six o'clock i'm gonna go but this is my good old corny studio here in central texas in my luxurious apartment so yeah uh i guess we're starting to how we got into the limit chamber it was me and my one of my best friends that i knew from high school uh we originally was gonna do a podcast together but uh uh you know how shit goes like we can't get our schedules right <clears throat> so i just do it myself uh basically we rode in his truck uh we it was about a three-hour drive from houston texas to where we're living out here in central texas uh, the drive was not too bad. Uh, I already ordered the hotel in advance, so we got a one-bedroom, <laughs> one-bedroom hotel, because it was all they had. Uh, in the meantime, that was closest to the Toyota Center, which is about it was about uh, about three miles away from there. So we we drive there, we get to the hotel, we check in. Uh, well, before we got there, we went to a, the gimmick Bucky's. We got some uh, food and drinks and stuff, shit like that. I got some seasoning. I got some no salt seasoning there because. That's what I like to get at Bucky's. I have that special seasoning I like to get. But yeah, we stopped there. That was uh, New Braunfels. Yeah, we stopped New Braunfels. And then we go to um, get to Houston. We get to Houston. I'm not much a big fan of Houston because I'm not much... I mean, even though some people may think I live in a big city, but it's not really a big city. But Houston, for instance, that's a big-ass city to me. Like, I don't live there. I couldn't live like Houston or Austin or uh, San Antonio or Dallas, for instance. Which we'll get into more Dallas later on because we did. I did stay in Houston that night. I did stay in Dallas like that uh, uh, Wednesday prior to the Sunday. But yeah, we get to the hotel. We stayed at the Americans Americans Best Value Inn, something like that. It wasn't bad. I never stayed at that kind of hotel before. Usually I stay at Holiday Inns, but since it's just me and my buddy, we split it. It was like forty bucks. And then when I get to the hotel in the office, like uh, I ask if they actually have two twin beds. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's like extra fourteen bucks. Even though when I called like two days prior, like they said they didn't have any uh two beds available. So I'm like I asked my friend V one and he said, Nah, it doesn't matter. So I'm like, Yeah, we go fuck. We're not gonna stay that long anyway. You know, we're best friends, we know we're not gonna fool around with each other. We're both straight men, so you know, we just get those extra pillows, whatever, separate each other. <laughs> you know, just fuck it, whatever. Yeah, we get into the uh, hotel, get our shit unpacked. Uh, I bought, oh yeah, I did buy, um, it was like a Bud Light Margarita or whatever at the uh, Bucky's. It was watermelon flavor, so I want to get my pregame on. Since like after that, ever since we got into the hotel, we're not going to drive. We've been ticket, we were just going to take it uh, Ubers and Lyfts, whatever. Um, yeah, we took, uh, it, it was like, oh, well, the event was going to start at 5.30, so... We always settled in. We had like, uh, we fucked around for like 30 minutes at the hotel. I just watched some uh, Battle Elita on the Kiss Anime. I never, because I didn't know that, because I watched the movie, uh, the Battle Elita Battle Angel. I didn't know, and my friend was telling me in the car right back to there, and I was telling him about it, and he said they actually made an anime adaptation. So I didn't know that. So I guess, you know, Hollywood can't make your, any original ideas. So, yeah, so I was watching the first part of that, and it was about almost time to. Head out because we were going to go to a brewery, which I discussed in my other uh, YouTube videos, that it was called 8th Wonder Brewery. We were going to go to that brewery, have a little few drinks, get something to eat at the restaurant, a brewery, whatever you want to call it, and then uh, head to the Toyota Center. So, uh, check my beer, or my Bud Light Rita, whatever, and uh, we get a uh, lift. We get the lift, 
pretty cool chick. That's the driver of the lift. Uh, we get to the Eighth Wonder Brewery. It's pretty long line, man. I'm like, because uh, I looked at that brewery. It was like the number one um, uh, pubs and bars bar scene on TripAdvisor. So I just want to try it out. Uh, I'm not much of a lot of indie beers per se, because like I like to like have beers that I'm already used to, because like I don't want to spend money on beers that I like, may not like. But it was it was actually a good uh, turnaround. Like I definitely recommend the Eighth Brewery in uh, Houston, Texas. Because it was right about half a mile from the Taylor Center. So it's a lot cheaper anyway. We did like, I like how they do the beers. Because like you, uh, if you buy a beer, let's say like, for instance, we did, uh, we bought three beers and you get the glass for free. So, uh, but we did two, we just drank, we just bought two at a, or ordered two drinks at a time. And they give you this um, bottle cap and you exchange it for a beer when you're ready to do it. So we get two drinks, we uh, order some food, they had like a little, the truck vendor, we don't call those uh, truck restaurants, or whatever. Uh, the truck, oh, they make the food out of the little truck, food truck, whatever. So I'm in our similar spot. He's gonna go get her food because uh, as soon as we, I mean, we uh, chugged down her two beers and then he went to go get the food while I was waiting in line to get her other two beers, her last two beers. Uh, he comes back, you know, he uh, get her last two beers. Like I like it because there's also uh, that restaurant's like a wrestling theme, kind of. It's almost kind of like a wrestling. They had like a wrestling some poster. I don't remember which restaurant it was. But I remember one of the drinks that I got there was called the People's Champ. So that was pretty cool since it was like the same kind of time we're going to a wrestling event in the Toyota Center. But yeah, we tried those drinks. All, I loved all three of the drinks I got. I don't remember all three of the ones I got. I just remember the last one I got was the People's Champ. So I don't remember all he got either. But it was good on their list. I'm like, you get three of those beers and the class for 15 bucks. Not too bad considering you go to the event there. It's obviously going to be more than 10 bucks a beer. And it's going to be like your just original light beers like Bud Light, Coors Light, something like that. But yeah, uh, we didn't want to, even though it was like half a mile uh, to the event, we looked at the uh, as we were driving there. And I'm like, nah, man, this looks good as fuck. So we're not risking going under the underpass. So we got another Uber Lyft, whatever gimmick drive would go up there. We get the, to the arena, uh, we hide our um, glass containers, because, you know, I was, oh, when we first went there first in line, and we asked them if we, they can, like, you know, hold on to our glass containers, because, like, man, we, what, spend 15 bucks on that? We want to keep our souvenirs, but they're like, no. So, we went to the carport right across the Toyota Center and hid them, and then we left, or um, left the carport and went back to the arena, got uh, security checked in, we got in. Uh, as soon as we got in, we, uh, Took a piss, whatever, and then we got our seats. Uh, it's another good uh, getting seating time because I couldn't remember. I mean, I got our seats, but I didn't know it was gonna be like you know in the middle of the row or whatever. But turns out I was on the edge. Uh, it helped. It worked out again. The same as when I bought the tickets for Hell in a Cell. I didn't know where I was gonna be at because I bought these from StubHub, so I didn't know exactly where I was gonna sit at. But we sit on the edge, so if I need to get up and take a piss, you know, it's good to go. So, um. Uh, I'll show the experience for this, and then I'll break down the card, and then continue on for my other uh, birthday experience. Uh, the event was good. Uh, we had good seats. Look like uh, you know, I did, did say on the uh, ticket like limited viewing, but basically the only limited viewing you couldn't see was like the big screen on the left side, which is cool because I'm like we're just like a f one story above the floor. So I mean, it was it was pretty good scenery. I, I'd have a good scenery the limited chamber itself. Uh, it was all good. Uh, only. Only bad experience I had was like this dude. Um, I think it was like midway throughout the event. This dude was trying to go back to his lot. Uh, he's sitting in the same row as we did, and he was trying to go back through or go through towards me. <laughs> and he dropped his corn dog on me, man. 
Like, it was covered in all fucking mustard, man. This this fucking mustard corn dog went all through my jacket. Because it was cold here in Texas at that current time. Still fucking cold as now. Uh, spilled over my jacket and my pants, man. I'm like, dude, man, what the fuck, man? He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. You want that corn dog? I'm like, no, nah, man, I don't want this corn dog, bro. I don't want no fried hot dog. He's like, let me go get some macarons, man. You want anything else? I'm like, hey, man, let me get a Bud Light. You know what I mean? I was like, I would do the same thing. I did something to someone else. He's like, okay. So sure enough, he uh, he comes back with some napkins and a Bud Light, man. I was like, okay, cool. We're all we're all Gucci. And uh, we just finished up the rest of the event, man. I uh, enjoyed it overall, but we'll get to that when I break down the actual card. But that was the only bad experience I had the uh, the venue. I mean, no fights or anything. Didn't see anything else. The crowd was pretty decent. It was as soon as we left the the venue, we ordered another Uber Lyft because I say we're looking like uh, we ordered so many different Uber Lyfts because like I have both the apps, the Uber and the Lyft. And sometimes they're cheaper than one another. It depends where you're at in the current time and where you're going. But yeah, we order one of those. Uh, we go to this other uh, restaurant, some kind of pub, whatever. Man, they had phenomenal food. Man, we got there. Uh, I don't remember all I ordered. I remember I ordered these uh, cheesesteak arrows, man. I think there was like four of them. They split them in half. I'm like, oh my god, man! Like these are one of the best egg rolls I've ever had. Like it's like American egg roll, man. Like cheesesteak filled egg rolls. Man, it was bomb. And I think I had some wings, and I guess I think it was just burger and fries or that. I, mean, I was I was being a fatty man. I don't care. <laughs> it's part of my birthday. Uh, we had some uh, drinks, beer, some like a couple of beers as well. Me and my friend, and then uh, we went back home to the hotel and we slept. Um, slept maybe four hours of that because my dude he's like in the military, so he wakes up pretty early. So, but he was driving there, so we woke. We woke up about four a.m. and I had to work that day anyway on Monday. So he we got up, we drove, uh, stopped buggy, back in the buggies again. I was fucking dehydrated, man. I fucking had to get a gallon of water. Uh, drinking that gallon of water, gallon of water all the way back back to her main town, and uh, made her separate ways. Uh, basically, just drink some water and slept until it was time to go to work. And that was basically the end of that Sunday. But yeah, as I ended there, let me know the bullet here. And that event, I'll break down the uh, Limited Chamber card. Since that was the end of the day there for Houston. Uh, I listened to my podcast last week. I was pretty legit. Uh, I was, was going to go down for the card. It was like, you know, one less match card than it was in Hell in a Cell. It was seven matches. I got six, six right out of the seven. Uh, I'll go through what it says on Wikipedia. It was Buddy Murphy versus... Er, Bunny Murphy defeated Tawazawa in the Cruiserweight Championship match. That's, I mean, yeah, that was the first match. I mean, as soon as we got into the arena, that, that match was already going on. Because, like, it said 5.30, but I was running off 5.30, and, like, that match was, we got, like, middle of the match. I seen Robert when Bunny Murphy defeated him. I mean, it was a good match overall. Uh, that match lasted 13 minutes, 25 seconds. Uh, nothing really special about that match. Can't really remember spots or anything for that. Won the match. Oh, you predicted that match to win after all. Uh, this is like the most. I think this is the most wins I've got at a pay per view. Actually, six out of six out of seven. So it's pretty predict- predictable match card. And then we had the uh, tag team elimination chamber match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Uh, it was the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha versus Carmella, uh, Carmella, Car- Carmella and Naomi. And then it was Manny Rose and Sonora Deville with Nia Jax and Tamina. The Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. And the Ride Squad, Levy Morgan and Sarah Logan. 
I did predict the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha, was going to win the match, and sure enough, they did. Man, it was a hell of a match, man. I mean, it started out with uh, Bailey and Sasha versus the, uh, not the Ride Squad, but uh, fucking uh, Manny Rose and Sonya Deville. So there was a, they the first one that started the match, last one to leave. Uh, pretty good spots. I did like how Nia Jax got her ass thrown to the pod. That was a good spot. Uh, all these ladies did really good jobs in this match. I mean, I didn't. I was certain that Bailey and Sasha was going to win this match. I'm like, good on them because they're pretty on the low card. I mean, you know, they're part of the uh, four four horse women division in you know, between them two and uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte. So you know, Charlotte they're kind of doing their own thing. So it's kind of nice to like uh, Bailey and Sasha get this kind of rub here. Do they their own little certain tag team division thing? So good on them. I really did enjoy this match. And then we had the Usos, Jay and Jamie Uso defeated Miz and Shane McMahon. Uh, this is the one I did lose in my prediction. I knew I did think it was going to be either way. So, I mean, they're supposed to have the rematch at Fastlane, but we'll see how that match goes between if they're going to... Obviously, if they do win the titles back, they're probably going to finish WrestleMania, or if they lose that match, it's probably going to be Miz and Shane at WrestleMania. So, we'll see how that goes. And that's actually one I did record, like... Uh, this part of this match on my YouTube channel pretty much recorded the part where Shaman Man did that table spot to the Usos and then she got the ending of that uh, I did like that corner to corner spot they did I mean as I was talking about last week's episode that's what I was looking for so I uh, enjoyed this match as well I'm sad I didn't, I didn't win the match or did, did predict I was going to win this match but it was good either way and then we had uh, Finn Balor defeated Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush I uh, did predict you know as I was saying that's the only one. The last one was the only one I lost. So I did predict Finn was going to win this match. Uh, it's kind of kind of obvious because I didn't know much about Leo Rush, but Finn did pin Leo Rush in this match. So there's a lot of controversy about that. So I'm going to assume that Finn and Bobby Lashley are going to fight each other at Fastlane. So we'll see how that goes. I still wish it would come out the Demon Man. I'd like to see Finn Balor live as a Demon. But anyway. Then we had Ronda Rousey uh, defeated Ruby Wright in a squash match. <laughs> squash and missing match for the WWE World Women's Championship. I mean, I already knew that. I was about last week. I mean, but they did have a hell of a more match that night after. But yeah, uh, mainly this match wasn't really about them two. It was mainly with the controversy afterwards, which was Charlie. With, sh- Charlie. <laughs> Charlotte Flair was like waiting on the ring side. She was just watching the match and then... Uh, Bailey came came out, and like uh, I didn't know like more information about this match because like I was you know live. I'm watching uh, Bailey come to the ring. I'm like, what the fuck is he like walking in crutches? I'm like, and then I watch Monday. I'm like, oh, they more explain it because they had like a house show the day before, and then Bailey, uh, not Bailey, fucking uh, <sighs> fucking uh, I lost I lost train of thought. What am I thinking? Fucking Irish girl. I mean, I don't, I don't know why I could be thinking. I've lost tra- track of her. Track of her, uh, her name. Why? Why can't I? Like, why can't I think of her name right now? It's like Charlotte. It's like the man. Whatever. I, I don't. I'm. My brain is like. Hold on. Really, really sad. I can't remember this name. Irish. It's the Irish last kicker. Becky Lynch, yeah. I think I know it would be Bailey, Becky, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, Becky Lynch came out with crushes, but apparently uh, that 
that live event. Before then, I don't know what the fuck they were, but uh, Charlotte had a match, and, like, Becky Lynch came in and tried to attack her whatever, but then uh, Charlotte was trying to basically attack her knee more, so, like, she has to bring up gimmick war that she hurt her knee even more, so that's why she came out with crutches. I mean, apparently, I looked at other videos, too, that she actually did, like, a signing in Houston, too, and that was like, a long-ass line, like, 9 a.m. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> it was cold that night, too, in that morning. Yeah, that's basically what I was building up for that, for around that match time slot. And then we had Baron Corbin defeated Braun Strowman in a no-disqualification match, which I was saying last week. I was like, okay, if they're doing this no-disqualification match, I'm like, it's guaranteed Baron Corbin's going to win this match. Because Braun Strowman was dominating this match, and then uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre just came out and defeated Braun Strowman, or helped Baron Corbin defeat Braun Strowman. I'm like... Yeah, okay, it was a good spot, I guess. Like, you know, the two tables, and then they stand on top of the steel stairs, whatever. But, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, I'm like... Because then they had that match that month, the next day, and, like, Braun, like, completely squashes uh, Baron Corbin, and, like, Bobby Lashley and uh, Drew McIntyre doesn't come out at all. So, I'm like, that really makes no sense. So, I don't understand. Maybe, I don't know. It really didn't play out. That was pretty much the weakest card, weakest card in the whole event. And then we had the main event, which was Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kobe Season, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship in the Medicine Chamber. Uh, this is a hell of a match. Uh, this match went for 36 minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. As I was saying last week, I did hope Kobe Kingston uh, was going to win this match. You know, but I wasn't a betting man. I was a betting man on it. Which turned out, you know, everyone was behind this match. Even I was behind it too. Like, I was, you know, cheering Kofi and everyone for the face. Uh, there's a lot of hot spots on this. I did like uh, Jeff Hardy's spot from the pod to the turnbuckle. Uh, I feel best for Samoa Joe. He just keeps like jobbing everybody. <laughs> Not really giving him a push that he deserves. And uh, pretty much Randy Orton, AJ Styles were kind of bleh. But it was really defend. It is really matter if you like the last bit of Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Kingston. I'm like that really would have made history if Kevin Kingston would have won that match. But nevertheless, Danny Bryan won the match, so that's why I predicted he was going to win that match. But it was a hell of a match, nevertheless. I would have been so happy if Colton Kingston would did it win that match. It would have made history. But now, apparently, they're going to face each other at Fastlane. So, uh, it's kind of less... Uh, I would say less chance of Colton Kingston actually going to win here. If anything, I would think that Colton Kingston would have won here in Lewis Chamber. And then he would at least take it to Fastlane and dropped it again. You know, just, just even with like a one-month spare. Or why not even have it at WrestleMania, you know? I mean, he's already... Daniel Bryan already has less, less competitors anyway, so why not at WrestleMania? That would probably be a bigger match, but... Eh, I don't know. I I would figure... It's too, it's too early to call, but I don't see Kobe Houston winning at Fastlane either. If anything, he was going to win, I would figure he would win at this pay-per-view here because he already had the support and everything, and then just didn't give him the ball. So And he wouldn't even be here in the first place if it wasn't for Mustafa Ali... Uh, being injured in the first place, so he may have just been taking that whole spot anyway. It would have been, it probably would have been Mustafa Ali and Jane Bryan at the last two, anyhow. But you know, it's the thing about WWE, you really don't know what's gonna happen. Sometimes you do, but sometimes I have like a match like this. Now, once you get like mostly invested in the first place, so hell of a match after all. If I would give this a review, I would have to give this a good four out of five. Like, basically, there's only match that 
uh, brought it down for me was the Baron Corman and Braun Strowman match. So, good match overall. Okay. Swim up here. Alright, now we're done with that. Uh, we'll get into some... Uh, Here's some Google News, and then uh, break down what happened in my other's part to my birthday on Wednesday, and then we'll get into the main topic of the hundred robots, greatest robots in movie history. Uh, I did see this one part on Google News that I want to talk about. It's three hours ago, as I'm recording this, it's from Yahoo News. It says two bodies recovered after plane used by Amazon crashes in Texas. So I want to get into it because it's in my state. Load it. Okay. It's a little picture, but I don't see the plane. It just has like cops standing around doing nothing as usual. Uh, it says local and federal officials gather at a staging area during the investigation of a plane crash in Trinity Bay and I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> it says A and A H U A C Texas on February twenty third, twenty nineteen. Well, that's more than I mean, that's what happened, but it oh, looks like it's in Houston, too, because it says Brett Comer slash Houston Chronicle VAAP. But it says article was made February 24, 2019, 8.37 p.m. Central Standard Time by Tim Steller. It says authorities recovered two bodies after a cargo plane used by the retailer Amazon crashed into Trinity Bay in Texas, official said Sunday. Three people were aboard the Boeing 676 cargo jet when it plunged into the water on Sunday after, or Saturday afternoon. Chambers counter server Brian Hounthorne said authorities were still in active recovery mode, though it was hard to believe they would find any survivors. The north wind had blown the water out of the bay. He said it's going to be daunting. Uh, saying, uh, Missa Airlines identified one of the people on this plane as Sean Archuleta, a captain who worked with the company since 2013. This is a day for the entire Mesa family. Was as for more the loss of the captain's son, or Sean Archuleta, said Jonathan Orstein, the company CEO. The other two people had not yet been identified. The National Transportation Safety Board Chairman Robert uh, Sumwalt said the plane's crew last spoke to air traffic controls on at George Bush's International Airport, where it was traveling to from Miami at 12:30 p.m. Saying nine minutes later, when the plane was at 6,000 feet, it lost communication and radar contact and began a steep noise or steep nosedive. Uh, somewhat said there was no distress call. He said the plane, which was operated by Atlantis Air Worldwide, had been traveling at 240 knots or 267 miles per hour. Somewhat said uh, the nosedive was captured on camera at Chambers County Jail. He said, adding it wasn't clear why the plane crashed. Investigators found its wings, but were still searching for its uh, black boxes. Uh, the data and cockpit voice recorder, though somewhat said, the devices might be buried so deep in mud that they cannot be located electronically. We will use a combination of divers or to dredge for the recorders, he said. And we'll see. And that's basically into that, so it's pretty disheartening for that. Which rest in prayers for all the people's families that are involved in that. <sighs> now this is about Bing Bang. Th oh, this is like my recommended list. Uh, 
Uh, I'm giving it two more. Uh, there's one about Kiss that I'll, I'm going to talk about my Wednesday thing, and then we'll have some about uh, PlayStation and the Big Bang Theory. Let's see. Uh, let's get into the Big Bang Theory. I like Big Bang Theory. What's about Kevin Smith? It says Big Bang Theory and Kevin Smith could still make Penny an actress. Because they think I guess you can't do anymore after Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Uh, it says Penny, aka Kaylee Cusco, has long has long given up on her dreams of becoming an actress. But the latest episode of Big Bang Theory with guest star Kevin Smith could pay. Oh, she's gonna give up her actress thing after that. She said could pay the way for her returning to acting. Originally moving to Los Angeles in hopes of becoming as this pen, something like that. Penny Worth as I just like the backstory of Big Bang Theory. Says so Penny works as a waitress at the uh, Pasadena Cheesecake Factory to get get by as she and Josh for ports. At one point, she even quit her day job, confident enough that she she landed a gig if she focused all of her attention on her dream job. That obviously didn't happen. Long before she met the nerdy guys for, for from Apartment Four A, Penny started in a low budget horror movie titled Serial Apist. Where a genetical engineer sex crazy gorilla kills her while on a rampage. Penny didn't think that that the film was ever ever released, but it turns out that a copy of it had been leaked online, as found by Howard uh, Simon Helberg, was in the show in season eight. She caught she got a call from a casting agent with regard to starring in Serial Apes Two, Monkey See Monkey Kill, which uh, she eventually did with uh, Will Wheaton. After some minor commotions, her performance in a sequel promoted Smith, which is uh, Sam Smith, uh, to invite her to read for a part for the Thin End Development Clerks 3. I don't know if that's part of the show or not. Maybe maybe not, I don't know. It says, we, uh, we never heard anything more about that opportunity, although Penny admitted that she felt that her test screening stunt since then, she... Has successfully transitioned to another industry by being a pharmaceutical sales representative and is currently working at the PR department of the same company. But a recent era development in the show might allow her to reveal her dreams of becoming an actress. We'll see. It says the late episode of Big Make Theory finally brought in Smith along with a slew of other guest stars for an appearance after his voice cameo back in season 8. All of their previous encounter was never brought up. Although, yeah, that's true. They didn't really talk about that. I don't think they. I don't think they talk. Talk. They talk to each other at all. There's the girls. just mainly uh, had their attention to the uh, that star from Magic Mike. Because this is one of my favorite sitcom shows right now. Uh, it says all the other premiums counter wasn't brought up. Although Penny and ever and even Leonard, uh, Johnny Galecki, whatever you call to say his last name, uh, was never brought up. Although Penny and even or were both in the same room as the filmmaker at one point. Uh, just because nothing came up with their initial meetup doesn't mean that it's not going to lead into anything moving forward. Though, now that Penny personally knows Smith, it could be linked that she needs to return to acting. Since we never really found out what the verdict was with her Clerks, and, Clerks 3 audition. There's a chance that Smith still liked her performance. It's just that the uh, three cool is no longer happening. Oh, it's no, really? It's no longer happening? That sucks. Uh, perhaps once uh, Smith and Penny finally get reacquainted with each other, the former can offer a part on Jay Silent Bob reboot, which was recently picked up by Seven Films and is now officially moving forward. Oh, well, I really want to see Clerks 3. <laughs>
as uh, consequently, uh, the Bing Bang Theory's next episode titled The Conference Foundation. We'll focus on Penny's work life with Bernadette uh, Misilla Ranch as the two head to San Diego for a pharmaceutical convention. It's weird that they were shining a light on that this late in the series, especially given a lot of other loose ends of the show needs to resolve before it wraps up. Because it's supposed to be the last season. Uh, it says uh, that is unless it is setting up an end game for either of them. We know Bernadette is happy with the work that she does, but... It was never really clear with Penny since she's only transitioned to the pharmaceutical industry because it is a job that pays well. In the grand scheme of things, fulfilling Penny's dreams of becoming an actress is the only a great way to close out her, the Big Bang Theory arc, since it brings her a full circle. It also makes it easier for viewers to understand her stance about not wanting kids. Executive producer uh, Eric Clampton seemingly ruled out the possibility of a surprise pregnancy. The Hofstadters in the series finale, but fans are still not sold on the idea, at least if a baby is really not in the cards for her. We know that Penny is doing the the thing that she generally loves, which is something that everyone can be behind on. Yeah, I don't see her being pregnant since it's like, what, the final season already and they're already like halfway into it? Yeah, it's not enough really time. But we'll see. Okay, that's the end of that article. And we get to the last one, which be about Kiss, and then we'll transition to my part two, my birthday thing that I did. It says, This article was made February 24th, 2019, which is not, uh, didn't say what time. Let me get another drink of my beer. Yeah, I like how the still image of this is like kind of the same as like everywhere in their concert poster and everything. I got the t shirt of this too, and they have the same little poster picture here. I just said the highlight of this says uh, Kisses and the road tour could gross 200 million says Gene Simmons well it's Gene Simmons really I don't know if it's going to be true or not but I don't know this is actually, if this is going to actually be their final tour because apparently they had another final tour back in the 90s and they still going back but since they're like what 70 years old now I can kind of see this being their last tour which is why I went I mean I'm a big Kiss fan anyway but since I'm like oh it's maybe the only opportunity I see so I might as well go now but I read this article when I get into it. it says, uh, Kiss Basic slash vocalist Gene Simmons believes that the band's end of the road tour will gross nearly 200 million. The track launched January 21st in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and expected to last two to three years and extend around the world. Yeah, they're supposed to be like a whole world tour. This, I do like when I saw the, the uh, The uh, tour dates on the website, like it's supposed to go like a whole two years, and like they may be going more because it's in Texas, and like a whole year later they're coming back to Texas. It's not the same uh, city or anything, but like somewhere like central, like San Antonio. When I went to Dallas, but anyway, it says asked by the Wall Street Journal in a new interview how much money he would personally make from the tour. Gene said, "Let's just say Paul Stanley, a uh, Kiss co-founder, and I." Our partners and everybody else works for the organization. Everybody gets paid very well, and I don't want to quote figures, but this will be 150 or 200 million gross tour, not counting uh, salaries and licensing and merchandise and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, which I'll get into that later. Uh, it says it goes without saying that we also, in our restaurants and other places, hire vets, give to fly quality and stuff like that. But how embarrassing is it? Before each show, if I held if I held up a check and said, "Look what a nice guy I am," question mark. 
That's a Simmons, who will turn 70 in August. Oh, I thought he was already in the 70s. Uh, so I went on to say that the reason he is still touring after all the time is to make more money. Of course, that's when they all go. And we're making buckloads, bucket loads. And I'm happy to say that. He said the guy that wins the lottery jumps up and down and runs to everybody and says, Oh my god, I just made $100 million. Everybody applauds. But the guy that works for it and makes $100 million, Oh, he's just boasting. Bitch, <laughs> I work for that money. I deserve the accolades more than that guy that walks in and does nothing to win the lottery. So I tour. I work hard. We have a restaurant chain. I have a, can a cannabis company. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I mean, that's pretty smart since... He lives in California. That makes sense. He has a cameras company and soft drinks, money bag, money bag, sodas. What's your cameras company, man? I gotta look that up now. And there are all kinds of stuff coming that people can't wrap their heads around. You're alive. You're supposed to be pumping up your heart. You keep making more money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, so I like about Jesus, man. He's all about that money, man. He's he knows how to like merchandise shit. I know he had a cameras company. I mean. That's pretty smart. If you live in California, like, if I was raised too, I'd make a cannabis company. That's what I like to do. That's one of my dreams later on is make a cannabis company. But I don't want to get too far into that because I don't want y'all bitches stealing my idea. <laughs> I have to look it up. I know Mike Tyson's going to have, like, a cannabis ranch coming out in 2020, 2021, something like that. So a lot of researchers get into that. That's what the money is, man. It's like, what, top three gross crops in the industry is cannabis? Anyway, it says Vancouver concert was attended by a sold out crowd of 13,373 with a gross revenue of $1.5 million, according to Billboard's box score. <clears throat> according to Paul Stark, just reported 1.2 million tickets and a total gross of more than 61.6 million in 2000. This is when the band's first well, yeah, see, uh, it was a 2000. I knew it was something like close to the 90s, but it said when the first, when the band's first travel tour was in its full swing. Uh, Polestar has recorded record a one, uh, 127 shows that year, and for most of that run, Kiss kept prices between 35 and 85 dollars. Well, I'll tell you what, that is not how much I paid for these tickets. <laughs> the one in Dallas, anyway, it was cheaper. It's che it was more expensive than the one they're going that went to the next day in, in uh, Louisiana. But that was also in the 2000. Uh, what it says, uh, Kiss came in at number 79 on the 2016 in year in top 200 North America tour charts. Oh wow, that's pretty pretty low. But it says with a 15.4 million gross and 230,262 tickets on the year because everybody's like wants to go to like these new pop stars like Post Malone. Because <laughs> I went to that too on the Posty Fest. But it says that although Simmons recently admitted that he has made millions every year for more than 40 years, he told that the BBC News in a 2015 interview that he won't stop looking for ways to make himself even richer. He says, life is business, and I approach life the way sharks approach life. They must keep moving or else they will be they will drown, he said. I will never stop hunting more money. I'll never have enough. He says, the Kiss lineup on the end of the road tour features the current version of the band's uh, Simmons, Stanley, guitarist Tommy Thayer, and drummer Eric Singer. Yeah, that's pretty much of the, the tour. Yeah, well, I mean, it's honest, man. I'm like, that's why everyone tours there. I mean, they want to make some money. I'm like, why is it going to, like, tour for two, three years? Uh, it goes for the Google News. 
But <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, we'll get into the st- now. We get into the part two of my story. Uh, it was Wednesday when I was I was gonna go to the Kiss concert because I knew it was supposed to be their uh, final tour. I forgot how I found out. I think it was online or something. But anyway, uh, I went and invited my one of my friend girls to want to go. So because I don't want to bring another dude to go to this another event with me. So uh, we went. I mean, she lives like an hour up north, so she lived an hour hour the other direction from me, but. She's pretty cool, man, because uh, she she's like respectful of girls that I like to beat. She likes be she's equal. So she said, uh, you know, since I had the tickets and everything, she would pay for the hotel and some gas. So I'm like, okay. So I pick her up. Uh, I pick her up from hour above where I live. We go. We drive to Dallas. It was about, I mean, for me, it was a four hour drive because I pick her up one hour other direction, then come back, then drive to Dallas. Well, yeah, 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 four hour drive. It's two hours, come hour back where I live, and then another two hours in Dallas. So uh, we didn't stop anywhere. Well, I stopped here to piss, I think. Yeah, I don't remember where, but yeah, we got. Well, we first we went to Gas Monkey Grill. I always want to go to the restaurant. I'm in the one. They have the other restaurant in, in uh, Colleen, uh, but I've, I've never been to the original restaurant in Dallas. So we go, we go to that that venue or that restaurant there. We order some food, but. Time was uh, kind of on the essence for us, or as I thought it was, as we uh, get lower to the story. So we just decided, since we get to the restaurant, we had a... Oh, we didn't piss. We pissed until I got to the restaurant. I, had, I dropped her off, and like we had a piss, man. I, had a, I just had to hurry and just pull over to the restaurant and take a piss, man. But yeah, we get her food. We order ahead of time. We order like 10, 20 minutes before the restaurant, before we got to the restaurant on the highway, or interstate. Uh, we got her food. Uh, I was looking on the clock, like, we was going to go to the hotel, but the time we get to the hotel, and Uber and all that, like, it was already pretty busy in Dallas, so, uh, the concert started at 7.30, so it looked like we was already going to be past 7.30 if we went to the hotel, so we just drove straight to the hotel parking lot, because I figured the Uber would be probably cheaper, but, uh, we got to the parking lot, there's already people out there already trying to, like, sell us t-shirts, I'm like, no, I just want to see how much t-shirt it was, because, like, there's a lot of bootleg t-shirts out there. Excuse me. A lot of people like t-shirts out there. So I didn't want it. But we get to the, uh, you know, we get a security check, whatever. We get to the venue. Uh, get our seats. It's about almost 730. <laughs> and, like, turns out, they don't even, like, there's, like, a, I guess you're opening, we'll call it. It wasn't an opening band. It was just some guy that painted, like, three different paintings, like, on the spot. Like, he's a, he's a good artist, man. Like, I don't remember the first painting he did. But the second painting was like Jimi Hendrix, like upside down, and then he did the kiss, like a portrait of a kiss, with like Dallas in the bottom of the painting, which is pretty cool. Because like I looked up more information about that. Apparently, like the, the bank signs that, and like they sell it and they give away for charity, which is pretty cool. But yeah, that it didn't really start. Like kiss didn't come out to like another hour and a half. They didn't come out to like nine o'clock. <laughs> so like we, if I knew, you know, if I knew that, you know, future future I would 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 have left parts of the hotel and got an Uber. But it was okay in the nuts because we got a couple of beers. We watched a show. Hell of a show. Never seen Kiss before. I mean, I was glad to see it. If the, this is their actual final tour, we got... It was like... It was on the balcony. I got pretty... Because my, my tickets were like $125 each for the center top row. And like for the bottom. If you got like floor tickets, I'm in like almost 500 bucks, man. But I mean, I looked it up the next day for like... They're, they're going through New Orleans and like... You could have got a floor ticket for like two hundred bucks. I'm like, what the fuck, man? So I'm just like thinking, like American Art Center is just like trying to get every money they can out of you. <laughs> but 
But it was pretty good. The girl that I brought, she had a good time. That was good. We uh, After that, we went to Applebee's. We got a few drinks over there. And then we got a ride back to the hotel. Or I rode back to the hotel. Uh, had a, I was going to say we had a fun time back at the hotel. I'm saying it was a good birthday night that day. <laughs> And uh, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Well, we woke up that morning, got some breakfast. The it's all, we stayed at the Holiday Inn, like I was saying. Uh, that Sunday, we stayed at the uh, from all the friends. We stayed at the Americans Value Inn. We got. I'm like, whatever. I'm bringing a girl, man. I'm like, I gotta. I'm showing the top, man. I'm like, it's not a guy. So I'm like, I'm going with the uh, Holiday Inn. It's, it was great. It was good. It was a good room and everything. Like great shower, good hot and cold water. Um. Good, had a good breakfast. Breakfast. I like how Holiday Inn has all those instant pancakes, man. If you've never been Holiday Inn, you gotta try the breakfast, man. The, the instant pancakes are the shit. How that comes on the machine. I got a little bit of everything. She got some like muffins. Uh, chilled around for like another hour or whatever. Uh, basically, then just took her all the way back to her pl- or her, her workplace, and I came back. I rested in my place about twenty, forty minutes, whatever. Then I had to go to work that day. <laughs> That, that pretty much subbed out the concert. Uh, if you want to check out, I recorded some of the sets on the Kiss. So if you want to check that out, you can check it out on my YouTube channel, which you can check out in the description. So I enjoyed it. I mean, like, today's my birthday, right? But I'm just going to work. But I mean, I already pretty much had like two different, two different things going on for my birthday. So I can't, I'm not complaining. I mean, how my financial situation is, you know, I'm like big balling now. But I don't, you know, maybe like, oh yeah, let's go to Tokyo, Japan for birthday, bruh. <laughs> no, I mean, just. I went to a wrestling event. I went to a kids concert. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with my birthday this week. But yeah, uh, that pretty much that soon sums it up. It's like the last 15 minutes of the hour. Let's let's get into the uh, main topic of the podcast: the 100 greatest movie roads of all time. We started the last podcast. We just started from number 50, so we're gonna go from. I'm, I want to try to get to 49 to 25. Take my beer here. Let's get into it. I got pulled up here. All right, we're starting for forty-nine. It is the Venonasan robots for the movie Target Earth in nineteen fifty-four. I know the OS movie. Another black and white image. It says, uh, "Although it was our heroes, fellow survivors, who were the real monsters." Twist: The invading robots from the Venice did a fair job exterminating the human vermon. Vermin, I should say. Two, like any other self-respecting murderous robot from the 1950s, these machines came equipped with pinchy hooks and face-mounted death rays. Never mind that one is very nearly defeated by a staircase and abandoned Chicago is a bad place to try to holding of these boxy aggressors. And the only thing that could have made things worse as if they were uh, trapped in Ringo Reel, which is wherever the fuck that is. But I was also saying, but yeah, but if you're ever in a Kiss concert, definitely recommend to go no matter what age they have a show for everybody the fireworks is fucking phenomenal just want to put that out before going on the list definitely worth your money even though I could have got money less than other places but whatever then we have 48 alien robots from the movie The Earth Dies Screaming 1964 it says in addition to boasting one of the most awesome titles for a movie ever this end of the world British sci-fi thriller contains a legitimately Unique strain of robotic death machine in spite of the cheap look of the robots. They're finally creative mass murder machines. First they gas the planet, killing the majority of the entire population. Then they just walk around looking for survivors. Uh, they don't need any fancy laser beams. They touch you, you die, <laughs> but you don't stay dead. Uh, 
then they let their zombies uh let yeah monsters predating night of the living dead just fyi do the rest of the extermination for them if you can find this effective little slice of robot terror it's only about an hour long definitely turn off the lights and fire it up okay we have 47 uh the Cinetales, I believe. Oh, the movie The Matrix, 1999. I have seen this movie. Uh, it's definitely better than the sequels they have. It's always better than the original. The original is always better. Anyway, it says Cinetales or Squiddlies. <laughs> uh, the Matrix are the film's most effective reminders of the dangerous, or the dangerous mankind is still facing in the real world. Which is to say, the scenes that aren't in The Matrix itself... The first film in the series still work as both uh, a sci-fi action flick and a classic kung fu yarn because the mythology it suggests is so much more compelling than the one actually shown in the sequels. When it comes to the machine empire, the action controls, the broken remains of Earth, the Sentinels are really the only aspect of its regularly seeing the Matrix. There isn't some big bad role among the machines that roles are filled by Agent Smith in this film. So the Sentinels are instead the watchdogs, the hounds that track down the few remaining humans and exterminate them like the pets they are. They're everything that's frightening in automonons, non-thinking, romanilists, and producing killing machines. And then we have 46. Dave, David, Becker, and Jessica from the movie Screamers. That's a night five. Not seen this movie. Uh, it says Screamers, even one of the most faintly uh, remembered sci fi horror flicks of the past 20 years. Uh, it is a solid slice of Monstery B movie based on Philip K. Dick's uh, second verity. This Peter's Robot Cop Weller led feature is riddled with clinches, sure, and borrows li uh, liberally from far better movies. But his potential robot monsters definitely make an impression. They start out basically as burrowing lizard-shaped chainsaws, but their advanced AI and ability to self-replicate eventually allow them to evolve into very convincing human mimicking inflators. That poor war orphan kid, yeah, your compassion will immediately turn into regret horror when he finally opens his mouth for real. Yeah, it has like a little screenshot picture of that. It looks like he has like two two mouths in there with a tongue. I was like, okay. It's definitely weird. And then we have 45, Necron 99 slash Peace, the movie uh, Wizards, 1977. Uh, it says, the art behind Necron 99 follows the uh, trajectory, man mainly fictional uh, robots take program to serve one purpose with the indifferent Physically, uh, he is eventually recapitulated to reassist the original programming, inevitably making a moral choice that uh, lifts him from the realm of the purely mechanical, which makes sense, given that Rolf uh, Bashi's wizard is all about science versus spirituality, or the unfeeling industrial march of progress, straining to make away everything that makes us unique humans. But what vaunts Necron 99, who's renamed Peace by the wizard avatar after some unexplained conditioning above the predictable story, is that Banshee never really explains what Peace uh, is exactly. Necron 99's master, the evil wizard uh, Black Wolf, never addresses his robots as anything but a minion on par with all of the other goblins and orcs and frog monsters at his command. 
Uh, it's the only avatar who calls the machines a robot, and it's, and it's avatar who belongs to the spiritual world, assuming having no real consumption of technology anyway, which is which in turn places Necron 99 slash so pieces in its real category, somewhere between the two warring worlds, and when Peace sacrifices himself to save his friends, the cyborg, or wherever he is, represents maybe the purest being in the whole movie, and by extension, he represents... Bakshi's uh, believes that neither technology nor spirituality alone will ever, ever save the planet from itself. Okay. Yeah, that, that seems like a lot of shit I don't want to watch. <laughs> okay. And we have 44 Beta, The Last Starfighter, 1984. Since Lance guests, uh, there's double duty in the space opera as Beta, an android dupe of human uh, create champ Alex who gets recruited the uh, trailer video game designer and in turn entangled in space politics and foreign policy while Alex in the script goes further down the Atlantic uh, rabbit hole his robot double gainer excuse me keeps up with his appearance on the home front including with his with the girlfriend it's over the game combat turns in real life and they must team up to save humanity like so many movie robots, the Beta Unit is an ongoing source of comic relief. Throughout the cosmic shenanigans, director Nick Castle actually upped Beta screen time when test audience really look uh, really took to the clone. And the movie remains notable to as the first film to rely on CGI for all of its uh, terrestrial special effects. Okay, we have forty three, the Iron Monster, the Phantom Creeps, nineteen thirty nine. <laughs> Definitely not seen this movie. It's a weird photo. Uh, it says, "Say what you say, what you must about mad scientist Doctor Zorkos, uh, rather ineffectual instrumental of revengeance, as at least the guy had the balls to take the robot monster design pro- process seriously. Yeah, as a killing machine, the Iron Monster is a pretty unimpressive. He'll hug you to death if he manages to outlumber you, but that's hardly the point." He was made to look scary. He resembles nothing less than a metal demon or a gargoyle. You probably won't have to saunter slowly away from this lethal em- embrace. You would just never get it close enough to something that looks like him. Yeah, that's true. This this fucking screenshot looks pretty scary. Okay. And we have Dot Matrix from the movie Spaceballs, 1987. I have seen this movie, but it's been a long time since I remember this movie. Uh, says robots in a comedy usual device humor from their misunderstanding of human personality or scare the actor behind a robot mask. But Dot Matrix is the opposite in Spaceballs. She seems to have been convinced, especially as a vessel, for somehow getting John Rivers into the Star Wars parody. Uh, and it's and it's uninspired bit of casting that legendary Arabic and snarty Rivers brings. Uh, her full essential to the role, transforming the robot role of C-3PO fr- from a prime and proper butler, like serving to a in-your-face warden on Princess Vispa. Uh, fully equipped with a virgin alarm, of course. It's programmed to go off before you do. Okay, that's pretty cool, I guess. And then we have 41, Autobots and Decepticons, Transformers the Movie! Uh, so that's Transformers. Oh, wow, they had a movie since 1987, slash 2007. 
I've uh, not seen this. I've always seen like the live action Transformer movies, so can't really relate to this one. But it says, if only just a original animated movie existed, <laughs> the wise, brave Autobot leader Optimus Prime would probably have an entry all on its own. Alas, in the past decade, theaters were cursed with four count them, four god awful Michael Bay <laughs> directed live action Shriek Fests. Freak Fest. Damn, shot. Shots fired. Uh, taking the classic Transformer robot designs from the TV series and the toys and throwing them in the... La- I still gotta see the uh, Bumblebee movie as well. But it says, throwing in the loudest splendor imaginable, <laughs> the resulting Transformers immersed as adulterated visual and honorary noise. Forget that these were even ever characters with extinct personalities or the original unpresentious premise of good alien robots defending Earth from bad alien robots. These new monstrosities are a compromise of constantly spinning past embarrassing racial stereotypes and truckloads of sexist juvenile moments that exist only in the service of four asinine story hashes all involving big government conspiracies, but eh. The robots belong on the list. Okay. I think this is more of a gut-wrenching shot to Michael Bay. Alright, I'm gonna go to the uh, next page. Alright, now we have 40. Eva from Ex Machica. Here we go. Alright, I've seen this movie. There's a lot of courtesy with this movie, especially when I know Joe Rogan has watched this movie. He says it's one of his favorite robot movies. I can see this kind of robot actually you know, appearing like actually in the real life. Uh, saying plenty of films have explored. The question of artificial intelligence, but few have brought quite the human touch to their scientific robots than Ex Machia's Ava. Played by Alexa Vilkakanar, Ava seems like a breath of innocence and eccentric tech. Moga Nathan Batman remote. Bayman's, not Batman. Bayman's remote. They call it a lab. But there's uh, more to this uh, Turing test into Ava than programming Caleb, Caleb Smith knows. The director will debut from the screenwriter Alex Garon, 28 Days Later. That's one of the director of another movie. Explores what it means to be alive, and the links will go to stay that way. Yeah, this is, a, this is definitely a good uh, robot movie. I definitely recommend to watch this movie. Don't want to spoil it. That's four years old now. They have 39. This is Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the movie Silent Runners, 1972. I have not seen this movie, but that sounds like them. They have the same characters, like character names as the uh, DuckTales. I think so. Don't call me on that. <laughs> uh, it says, Enduring Little Drones of 2001, A Space Odyssey's FXX Impersonators. Doug Trumbull's Silent Running and are probably more eventual than you might think with Wally Director. Oh, okay. Same director as Wally. Andrew Santon, the creators of British sci-fi series Red Dwarf, and even MST3K mastermind Joel Hargison. Uh, Count in months their big Anders and it's easy to side with Universal's counter law, uh, lawsuit against 20th Century Fox's Star Wars, alleging some droid-like similarities. These three little bots uh, cinema a long way towards representing machines with distinct personalities. I have not seen this movie. Can't say much about it. Then we have 38. Um, it's like abbreviated in letters, but it says M O G U E R A from the movie uh, Mysterions from uh, 1957. 
excuse me. Uh, it says, it is a massive burning robot kaiju with a drill for a nose. Go ahead and laugh, but it, <laughs> it can cause devastating earthquakes and fire laser beams if you piss it off enough. Okay. The mysterians of the title are an advanced alien race demanding a portion of Earth to call home and some women. Uh, or their sick, their colossal mole on us all to make that happen. Godzilla ain't here to save you this time, Tokyo. I'm afraid it's the worst case scenario. You're gonna have to call us the UN. <laughs> nice. Uh, then we have 37 evil robot uses. Oh, okay. Uh, and the good robot uses as Bill and Ted Bogus Journey, 1991. I have seen this movie. I've seen the first one. This is pretty much a sequel. Bill and, Bill and Ted's Awesome Adventure, or the fuck, whatever it is. I gotta drink. It's another '80s movie. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely sure the first one was in the '80s because it's 1991. But basically, it says that while well, cer uh, certainly overkill on behalf of the film's musical, about to be a hating villain, lovable doofuses Bill and Ted, are murdered and replaced by robot duplicators in order to sabotage the future. Never mind that simply rumming out those two airheads would achieve the goal. The movie gets some great comic, comedic uh, malice showing that what an evil Bill and Ted duo would be up to. And of course, to fight evil robots, you gotta have good robots. Good robot Bill and Ted have an uncanny resemblance to the heroes, even though assembled from junkyard scraps by a squat alien creature station uh, in a movie where Bill and Ted, Ted's villain uh, ally death. Uh, runs off with uh, every scene he's in. The expired robot humor standing is remarkable in its own. Yeah, definitely recommend this movie. It's definitely a good classic uh, 80s robot movie. Don't want to spoil too much of it. And then we have 36. I'm going to drink my bullet. Light. Uh, robot Police from the movie uh, THX1138 and movie 1971. It says the brilliance behind George Lucas's choice to have his dystopic society disciplined via android cops is that there's little difference between the machines who kept the peace and the people from whom they're keeping it. Resembling a sort of uh, camping thing on the highway patrolman, thank the village people, except with way less singing, spliced with G.I. Joe's distro. distro. Uh, the robot police force is governed solely on budget, which of course allows our hero TXX. Robert Duvall to escape the underground society and the mysterious deity OMM0910 that rep represses him. Yet in being left to his own devices after OMM determines that chases after TXX would put the uh, police, a uh, robot police force 6% over budget. Even TXX's humanity is further reduce, reduced to matter of balancing numbers. It may be a point of triumph from our protagonists. But in perhaps the most subtle thermonic move the director has even made, Lucas is implying that even the organic characters in TXX1138 are mere tools for a higher power. Okay. I don't know about that movie. Take a sip. Mm. Uh, I like the screenshot here. <laughs> it's a 35. Uh, Major Jidoko Kamashagi. And it goes to the show, 1995. I've heard of this show, but I've not seen the movie. I've not even seen the live-action movie either. 
I'm just saying, uh, this big screen adaptation of the original manga was maximally brought to life with stunning uh, animation, most especially in regard to its uh, cybernetic protagonist, Moko Tukuso, I'll probably butcher that name, possibly more than any other movie. Ghost in the Shell's robot action feels so versatile, so inconveniently physical, when caution battles an awesome sp spider white tank, you really feel the battle damage immediately <laughs> on her late cyborg form, but you really feel her pain for her because to Samagagi, her all her limbs, guts, wires, and servers are just parts. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, I don't know about this movie. I mean, I want to see it, but I, mean, I just never got into this show. So. I just don't see all cyborgs, but I like Alita Bow Angel. Uh, they have 34, uh, Terrors and Case from the movie Interstellar, 2014. I have seen this movie. It's a good-ass movie. It's a long-ass movie, too. It's like, I know it's over three-plus hours, but I love a movie with, uh, <clears throat> your boy, um, uh, drawing a blank right now. He's from, he's, uh, you probably say in this, in this article, maybe. But he says, he's in that movie, the classic movie, uh, All Right, All Right, All Right. We'll get into the article, see what it says on here. <clears throat> I probably remember it between I finish this article. It says, Robots of Interstellar, particularly this scene, stealing towers are evidence of how great limited camera sections can be in the film. Uh, even when the robot in question isn't uh, humanoid or even... Authorific. This was apparently an important distinction to director Chris Nolan, who said they had a very complicated design, physically based on magnetics. To the end result is a robot that at first looks like a solid block of metal until its hinges begin uh, dividing and subdividing to provide locomotions. Their personalities are startlingly human-like for brains without face, but we're giving constant reminders of how these are all functions of their programming. The ability to toggle the human, the humor setting of TARS, in particular from 0 to 100%, is such a wonderful uh, running joke in the film that is succeeding and during that audience to fulfill a slab of metal. Ultimately, we uh, care just as much for TARS as we do for any other members of the Cooper's crew. And to do that without putting on human instincts to care for things in our own imagine, it's just one of Christopher Nolan's many accomplices in Interstellar. I don't know if you hear that background with some fucking structures going on. Uh, yeah, I, I figured it would say his name in the movie, or in this article. Uh, let's see if I can only look it up for Matthew McConaughey, sorry. Yeah, I knew uh, his, his name was Tim Matone. Okay, yeah. It's a great movie overall. A space movie for him. Okay, now we have 33. Uh, the Centicles. It's kind of the same pronunciation as The Matrix. Uh, from the movie X-Men Days of Futures Past, 2014. I have seen this movie. I've seen the majority of X-Men movies. Uh, i seen the article for this. Excuse me. Uh, the most... Recent entry in the X-Men franchise, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly opens a uh, superhero nuffs film, and it's uh, because Brian Singer does such a ter ter uh, terrifying good job at showing how brutally effective the adaptive uh, mutant hunting giant robots are. Though, 
imposing and deadly enough in their closer to uh, classic comic books, comic looks. Uh, Nascent 1970s chassis and when the movie flashes forward to the near future where they become perfectly impaling, melting, dissipating, crushing machines able to use their unique powers of the X-Men's wildly ranks against them. Ouch. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna miss the movie, but it's not really a good article to explain the movie. And then we have 32 Emma droids from the movie The Incredibles, 2004. Uh, I don't know what's gonna tell about the second one. The second movie is good too, but this is the first movie of The Incredibles. Uh, saying 20th Century Fox may be completely impet when it comes to making a decent Fantastic Four movie, but thankfully for audiences, Big Star and uh, Brad Bird made an amazing one years earlier, one uh, calling their Incredibles in- instead. And one of the elements that made the often qu- uh, quite dark family film so amazing was it mo- wounded, but so lethal big bad syndrome voice and or voice with uh, embittered perfection by Jason Lee, like the X Men, terminating centrals in the previous entry, syndrome's line of superhero. Slaughterbots is certainly good at rubbing out the supers. Yeah, I don't really remember the. I mean, I played the video game too, the first one. Uh, yeah, I recommend this movie. I definitely a lot. I definitely enjoyed this Pixar movie, both the first and second one. Okay, now we go to the thirty-one, which is the Stepford Wives in the movie The Stepford Wives. <laughs> 1975. I have not seen this movie. Uh, it says, uh, an invasion of the body snatchers for the age of changing gender roles. The step four, step four wise manages to eke out a pretty decent amount of satire and commentary on the uh, culture of the time. But the movie also succeeds in the creating a palatable sense of dread as the more liberal woman of Stepford Con. I don't know, means kinetic, short for Connecticut, but. It says they're replaced with submissive, conformist housewife androids. And when our heroine, Janara, uh, stumbles across across her android double at the end, it stares back at her with those dead, dull eyes. It's still damn chilling today. It seemed interesting, but I haven't seen it. And we'll go to 30, Baymax, Big Hero 6, 2014. Yes, 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 yes. Fuck yes. Watch this movie. Big smart movie. Watch this fucking movie, guys. Or Disney. Uh, it's either Disney or... or uh, Big, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Pixar. Yeah, it's Pixar movie, sure, yeah. I'm actually... Uh, this is actually one the world is going to go to in uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Spoiler alert. Because <laughs> I still only got to that part in Kingdom Hearts 3, but I know it's one the world is going to go to. Uh, it's been saying uh, an adaptation of, of reality exterior Marvel line Big Hero 6 was afforded significantly more freedom to divide from the look and themes of its source material. This became more readily apparent in the reimagine of Baymax and the comics Baymax, an artificial sand former with the ability to reconstruct his body in, in various battle modes. Uh, including that of the Missani Militant Creature. The Disney version, on the other hand, represents him as a cinematic marshmallow. Oh, so it is Disney. I don't know if it's Disney or, um, um, Pink Star, whatever. But it's about the same thing, whatever. But it's saying marshmallow equipped with an uber friendly <laughs> demeanor and the, uh, tones of 30 Rock Scott Odyssey. 
what easily uh, could have been a shameless attempt a hawking kid-friendly merchandise to consumers, however, grew to become one of the most hilarious and heartfelt breakout characters of 2014. With no uh, discernible impressions to convey emotions, the Big Hero 6 animators lean heavily on various bits of physical comedy, both broad and cynical to let laughs and mold their uh, creation's personality. Meanwhile, Edison excels at bringing layered readings to uh, Mayamex warmth. If apparently flat vocal stylist, he does more with a simple oh my <laughs> than anyone since George Takei. A little bit Iron Giant and a little bit uh, Harpo, Harpo Max or Baymax is all heart. Yeah, definitely recommend this movie, guys, if you haven't seen it yet. It's just for your kids and all that. And then we have 29, The Gunslinger from Westworld, 1973. I have heard of this movie. I'm not 100% sure I've seen this movie. I have seen parts of it, but I cannot tell you from like beginning to end how this movie goes. But I haven't heard about it. I do recommend this movie. But yes, says long before there was a Jurassic Park, Michael Crenshaw wrote and directed it about another disturbance theme park, uh, Delos Housing, the separate music android character of Westworld, medieval world, and Roman world. After catastrophic malfunctions eventually occur, a couple of dudes en- enjoying due time find themselves men aside for real when the robotic bad guy Kunstfinger's safety measures disappear. And a decade before there was the Terminator, there was a Hugh Bernier's apocalyptic robot stalker, and I'm feeling killing killing machine who happens to look exactly like this or like his uh, heroic character from the uh, Nevik Seven. Says don't bother trying to melt off his face, <laughs> Richard Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, I still gotta look back at this movie as well. Let me drink here. And then we have 28, the uh, Mechanical Man from, <laughs> Mechanical Man from Mechanical Man. But it's like different breed. It's like, the robot is called the Mechanical Man, but the movie is called the Mechanical Man. You know what I mean? Wow, this is even older. Okay, I think this is the oldest one. This says uh, 1921. Uh, this is sadly, only a fraction of this silent era sci-fi film survived in near century since its release. But there's enough of it left to see that Android D's its silver screen robot shape. Uh, decay is a visual counseling for the very idea of robots in cinema before the world robot existed. I guess working for George Melissa, the granddaddy of science fiction and film, left an incredible mark. Uh, the first on-screen depiction of the robot on robot violence, though only viewable in fragments. It's still more visually... Uh, coherent than Michael Bay's goddamn Transformers movies. <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> they fucking, fucking burning Michael Bay, man. Like, what the fuck? Those movies ain't that bad. Because he even made the residual movies, too. Okay. Anyway. I have 27. Kronos. For the movie Kronos, 1957. Uh, this is Kronos. Essentially, a giant robot monster movie uh, was also legitimately a progressing mis- message movie. Yeah, uh, The colossal uh, walking stock of cubes absorbing all of Earth's energy way before Galactus uh, thought it was cool was a potential allergy for the environmental and social dangers of overconsumption. Stop feeding it robot food by trying to destroy it. Exclamation mark. 
you're just making it bigger now. You're it's my smart. Yeah, I have no idea about this movie, so I'm just gonna keep going. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, this is a nice uh, little screen capture. It's like a pretty decent hot girl. I mean, it's from 2005, so. Uh, it says, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Marvin from the movie The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, 2005. Uh, saying Marvin is the so-called paranoid android of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Although he, ironically, doesn't really display classic paranoia, he is rather a hopeless, depressed, uh, Marot's robotic being that he seems to have been created with cruelty in mind. Why else would you give a robot with a brain the size uh, the size of a planet the ability to feel boredom and immune? <laughs> it says these traits make Marvin the ultimate technological sad sack. Think of the hyper intelligent, uh, but still apparently unsuccessful, sparring version of Charlie Brown. Since the film adaptation of Marvin isn't quite as Runaway Hilarious is a character in, is it in the original series of books. So it looks like the book temptation. But it says, although you have to recognize the Alan Rickman's uh, was empirically cast as a robot's voice, uniquely Marvin is a subversion of mainly as the roles you expect from financial robots. He's not cool, strong, or adventurous. Instead, he's a put-upon character uh, bored with his own existence, constantly held down by the pity adventures of the character whose company he's forced to endure I guess it's well it says we laugh at his uh, because to be honest he makes a good point it's okay and then we go on to the last of the three part series of this which is going to be Chidi I believe from the movie uh, Ethereum Ethereum 2000, 2010 it says, this extravagant Indian sci-fi production is yet another spin on Frankenstein, sure, but it is starring robot reveals itself to be one of the craziest, most balls-out powerful character ever in film. It's causing a level of adrenaline drenched mayhem never been before seen before. You know what? Worlds are useless. It says, words are useless even if you haven't ever seen the sequence. Don't. Don't ask questions, just block off the next 10 minutes and watch it. I'll be, I'll be standing and by with the smoke. You're welcome. That's by SW. Uh, okay. Well, in 2010, I've never heard of this movie, so. Alright, guys, this is going to conclude uh, three part of the 100 greatest movie robots of all time. It's going to conclude the episode here. Uh, this has been a pretty special episode. I've covered a lot today. It's my 25th birthday. Hope everyone has a great uh, morning, day, or the fuck time you watch this. <laughs> or not listen to this episode and until next time ladies and gentlemen this is DJ Stash saying peace and uh, be sure to uh, check in my plugins down below really helps out a lot and also be sure to give them us uh, 5 star rating reviews really helps out the podcast and with all the referring to you play my outro peace guys take care down the years it's been a ride and now I'm sorry our mall it's not in tonight And on and on as we go we seem to fight But baby that's just the way we love And only in the dark do we see our sunlight Home is where we were, home is where we want to be And yes we don't have time to say goodbye And this ain't the last time 
Now this time before we go, raise your hands, raise your toes. Time is something special, just like love before it starts to snow. It's crazy how the years have gone. Memories are the drug we're on, but darling, just remember that there's never a goodbye. We're spoken. There's never a goodbye. Calling back to a different time Maybe I need to hear your voice To make me smile No, 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 it's not said and done Baby, you can fly with me And we'd be worried And it's only time before we miss the fire You and I, we sit taller, higher Whoa, our hands up in the sky Just seeing our years pass by Ten years Show me where you've gone